You're listening to the Topco Business Unusual podcast. Globally, food retailers have increased their investments in clean energy to meet sustainability targets as there is an increased demand from customers for sustainability actions. Operating in 13 countries in Africa with 2,000 corporate stores, ShopRice has witnessed firsthand the climate impact on the retail value chain. Today, at the Top Core Business Unusual podcast, as we build up to the Old Mutual Future of Sustainability Summit, we will speak to the Group Sustainability Manager at ShopRite, Sanjeev. Sanjeev, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks, Tony. Good, good to be here. We're going to go straight into it. You know, one thing I've seen is that climate change is said to be a systematic risk for business. How do you balance the negative impacts of business with the desire to leave the world better than you found it? Yeah, thanks, Tony. Um, I think for, as a start, um, when we look at climate change and the impacts of climate change, I think it's really stark and it's, um, quite, um, it was quite clearly crystallized um, in the recent reports from the um, IPCC, um, where it highlighted specifically the impacts that Southern Africa were going to face um, with regards to climate change. And what they were predicting was drier climates and drier um, areas in some parts of the country yes. and significantly wetter and more violent um, storms in other parts of the country. Now, unfortunately, we are seeing all of this playing out already. So it's not a prediction uh, yes. anymore. It's actually the reality. As we saw in April with the devastating floods that went through KZN, yes. as we saw and we continue to see the drought in the Eastern Cape. And as we saw last year with the, um, the droughts or with the floods that came through in um, Madagascar and in Pumalanga that had significant impacts on crops like tomatoes and potatoes. Um, ShopRite as a retailer uh, with our ambition or our purpose to be the most affordable, accessible and innovative retailer on the African continent, um, that creates a challenge for us because when um, products, uh, raw materials and fresh produce uh, are impacted, then that pushes the price up mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the purchasing price and in terms of the, um, the, the sales price. And that means that we're unable to deliver on our ambition of being the most affordable retailer in Africa. So that's one area where we believe is a significant impact, uh, where climate change can have a significant impact uh, on, our, on our business. But then also, uh, as, as we saw in KZN, it, has, it can have a significant impact on infrastructure, with yes. the destructions of, uh, of roads, the destruction of rail infrastructure, the destruction of buildings um, and even um, stores, um, trading stores, where some of our trading stores were flooded. So you have those direct impacts. You have those um, indirect impacts where it's in terms of pricing, in terms of the availability of quality raw materials and quality produce. Um, And then also we see the impacts on the communities that we operate in and that we are part of. And for that reason, and we know it's generally the most vulnerable in our communities that are impacted by climate change, uh, whether it's through floods, fires, or droughts. Um, and for that reason, we believe that we have a role to play in building the resilience and the adaptive capacity of the communities that we are part of, as well as of our business as well. 
So in a sense, our approach to climate change is twofold. On the one hand, it's to mitigate um, the impacts and to mitigate um, our contributions towards climate change. And on the other hand, it's around how we adapt and how we support our communities to adapt to a changing climate. I've said a lot there, but- uh, You have, yeah. you have. <laughs> and it's all quite interesting because one of the things we're seeing right now is everybody's asking themselves key questions in the industry. And I think even everybody want, watching would want to know on our side, what does climate change actually mean for the retail sector? Yeah, I think as, as I indicated, I mean, the first thing one has to do is to look across your entire value chain. So it's not just looking at the retail um, sector per se, but looking at their entire, let's say, food or FMCG value chain. Um, we know climate change can have an impact on infrastructure. Uh, it can impact uh, production facilities. It can impact uh, warehousing and storage facilities. It can impact farms and, uh, and, and agriculture um, significantly, the destruction of crops um, resulting in higher prices. So all of that has a direct impact on the ability of retail to be able to have products on its shelves and, and sell to customers and, and, and trade to customers. And then there's also the, the, the impact on direct um, operations itself. Um, we saw this last year in, when we, there were the floods in the Southern Cape and um, unfortunately ShopRite lost uh, a vehicle as well as one of our colleagues was, was killed in the, in the heavy floods uh, in the Southern Cape. So, you know, we see directly what the impacts can be uh, and what the impacts are. And on the other end, like I indicated, you know, there are direct impacts on our consumers. We know our consumers now are hard pressed in terms of uh, accessible and available uh, income, increasing fuel prices, uh, electricity unavailability, and, and dealing with issues like floods or fires or droughts, um, all adds up to the pressures that our consumers face. So any opportunity where we can, as a group, as a ShopRite group, alleviate some of that pressure on our consumers, then, yeah, that's certainly something we will do. And we think it's very nice for us to hear that it's not only something you're doing because it's part of your business, but it's something because you've experienced as well as a business of losing a truck and losing an employee as well to the climate change impact. But would you say, in your opinion, of course, that the African sector within the industry itself, whether um, throughout the value chain, would you say they've woken up to the effects of climate change on the manufacturer as well as its customers? Yeah, it's a, it's, I think in some sectors, yes. In some sectors, maybe not. What the floods in KZN have certainly done is that it's increased the vocabulary and the dialogue around climate change. So there's more discussion around it. There's more... Um, at, and, and at all levels in our society, from the, the lowest level or the low levels of our society or low-income communities, which are the hardest impacted through to different levels of government, different levels or NGOs, um, so across, you know, across different sectors of society. Certainly the discussions are around, you know, what are the impacts and what the impacts of climate change can be. So on the one hand, I think it's good that we, we start talking and about this and, and that there's awareness raised around uh, the impacts of climate change, but what's more important is around how we respond to it, how we are becoming more adaptive, how we are helping our communities to adapt to a changing climate. Um, so one of the programs we run within ShopRite is a community food garden program where we have okay. a number, we've got 172 community food gardens across uh, the country. And in there, we support 
um, local communities, A, in terms of training and mentorship on um, sustainable and organic agriculture, uh, which includes the providing of seed, seedlings, um, irrigation, shade netting, etc. And really yes. the purpose of this, and, and we saw the importance of this during COVID where people were unable to work and earn an income, is that even during these um, crisis moments, people are still able to grow their own food and have some level of, of, of good, uh, nutritious food available. So in that way, we're trying to help our customers and our communities so that in times of crisis like climate change, like the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, that they're still able to be resilient. The other program we have is our mobile soup trucks. Yes. And our mobile soup trucks, we are able to deploy them immediately at short notice um, to areas of disasters. And again, whether it's a flood, whether it's a fire, whether it's a drought, we are able to deploy them immediately. And, and we want to be the first responder to support communities in times of, 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 of disaster. In KZN, we deployed our trucks as far off as from Limpopo, the Eastern Cape, um, the Free State, and we moved them into KZN to support the relief efforts there and to support the NGOs and, and government organizations that are working on the ground. Um, at, at one point, we had nine different or nine soup trucks um, serving different communities uh, in the affected areas in Etequini and, and surrounding areas as well. So, you know, on the one hand, <clears throat> we want to be able to support immediately <clears throat> our communities. And on the other hand, we also want to create a, a more sustainable um, support and a more sustainable um, option like, like, like growing community food gardens. And all the information you've shared is actually quite valuable because one of the things people often ask themselves or wonder is that how does a big company like ShopRite make such decisions and make sure that you're well empowered, whether it is at a regional or at a national level or at an African level, to ensure that the entire value chain or the entire business is well placed not only to support itself when disasters take place, but also the community. So would you mind just letting us know what have been the lessons, or at least on your side, or the key key changes or impacts or decisions that have informed what, how you guys implement what you've just shared with us now? I think when we look at climate change, we look at it uh, in terms of what is material and what are the material impacts and, and risks to our business. And when you look at it, not just in terms of your direct operations, but also in terms of your, your value chain, then you get a different perspective in terms of where you need to focus and what attention you need to put uh, into it. So through a materiality process, we are able to identify um, what are the key risks and as well as what are the key opportunities uh, for the business. And, and the approach we take is that we look not just in terms of our direct operations, in terms of our suppliers, but also okay. in terms of our communities. You know, what are the impacts our communities um, will face? Like I said, we know that it's the vulnerable in our society that will be impacted by climate change, but those are okay. also our customers. Those are also the people that shop in our ShopRite and USAFE stores and checker stores. So it's around how can we support our consumers and the communities that we are a part of uh, during these disasters and during these crisis moments. So I think, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that look at your materiality in terms of a business. Don't look just at your direct operations because it might not then translate and might not give you the full picture of what the impacts are. Um, so look, look across your, your operations and your value chain, 
Um, and then also there are certain opportunities that can be realized. So one of the ways we are mitigating climate change is by using more renewable electricity. So <clears throat> we've increased over the last couple of years our consumption of renewable energy significantly. Currently, we have our own direct uh, uh, installations, um, solar installations at more than 60 of our plants or 60 of our stores and distribution centers uh, in Southern Africa um, and representing wow. a significant component of our uh, electricity consumption. So in that way, we are decarbonizing our operations by using more renewable um, electricity. And what's also good in that is that we are able to source the renewable electricity at a more competitive price than, let's say, the municipal or the grid tariff. Yes. Uh, that means it makes both environmental and economic sense. But at the same time, we are able to control the increases in energy costs so that we can pass on those benefits to our consumers as we realize our ambition of being more, the most affordable retailer on the continent. I'm sure all customers and consumers are really appreciative of that effort because that 20% in total energy consumption really does make a mark when it comes to the decisions that consumers make daily in the pocket. So just, just moving slightly back a bit toward the impact, you've said things like the flood have impacted on how you guys run your business and just make you guys more responsible and how you actually run your change or climate change initiatives as a business. How have you then made sure that as a business, the low income communities and the suppliers as well also benefit from your efforts? I think low income um, communities and our um, shoppers benefit by us maintaining firstly our low prices and, and ensuring that we are affordable, that we're delivering value to our customers. Um, and that's by being relentless in looking for opportunities to remove waste from our business, uh, whether it's in terms of physical waste or in terms of um, other types of waste in our processes and in our operations. Uh, and in that way, we become more efficient, more lean, uh, and we're able to deliver um, and even be, be more agile and more responsive um, in times of crisis. So I think that's certainly one of the ways that we try and help our consumers and our customers directly. I think with our suppliers, it's around um, ensuring that our operations are, are, are running, ensuring that we are still able to be that marketplace for um, suppliers, that they can sell their products and they can put their um, um, products on our shelves um, so that we can maintain that level of um, of, um, of uh, a certain level of growth for our for our suppliers, yes. um, because if 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 retailers are impacted and retailers are unable to trade and to operate, then that impacts the value chain um, and further up on the on the value chain. That's in very terms of true. Suppliers unable to sell their products, unable to put their products onto shelves. So it's important that then retailers have to have this level of resilience, this level of agility. Um, and uh, yeah, and 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 to be able to to respond to crisis and and to be able to trade accordingly. Now it sounds like as a business, you've really worked out the best way to be innovative and solutions focused in your approach, especially with regards to climate change. Which leads me to wonder if Shoprite is working to change the way it's running and make sure it's um, running sustainably. How are you managing to do that in an environment where 
some of your infrastructure is located in buildings that have been in existence for a very long time. And I'm sure setting up things such as solar panels may, be, may not be possible or difficult across all of your, of your operations. So how are you managing to make sure that you work toward meeting your targets while remaining sustainable with infrastructural or developmental challenges, or even worse off in some situations where the, the technology is not yet really available in those countries? Yeah, I think it's a challenge. Those, I mean, certainly present challenges. Um, but we're constantly looking for opportunities. We're constantly looking for where we can uh, use more or where the opportunities are for using more renewable electricity. Um, in, and like I indicated, I mean, more than 60 of our stores and distribution centers have, um, have solar or are supplied with solar PV um, and renewable electricity. In some cases, we've had to strengthen the roof. In some cases, we've had to invest in the infrastructure to improve it, uh, which is what we've done. Um, provided we can, you know, provided there's an assurance that we can use more and, and get access to more renewable electricity, while at the same time remaining cost comparative, reducing the impact of high energy costs on, on our operations, then we will do it. Mm. And, and that's also part of the innovative um, aspect and innovative spirit within the, the company at the moment. It's constantly looking for more um, opportunities, um, more options to be able to use more renewable electricity and, and mitigate uh, our environmental impact and mitigate our, yeah, in terms of climate change. That's all quite interesting to hear mm. to understand because innovation technology have become um, quite inter quite key for everything as we're running the, the world at the moment, especially in post-pandemic Africa at the moment. And the concern is always what questioning by customers, is the innovation being done by any business, not resulting in them paying more for their pockets for their food, especially with people having low uh, less income in their pockets. So thank you very much for clarifying that and giving us the assurance that all developments that you're doing as a business are not only for your development, but also for the continued sustainability of and thought of the consumers as well. Now, when we look at the efforts you're doing again, legislatively, again, just in terms of local legislation or regional legislation, how does that support or, could, or what do you take in terms of consideration when it comes to legislation for you to run your business and also ensure that your sustainability efforts are aligned with the local, regional or national efforts as well? Yeah, regulatory requirements and legislation is very important. So whatever we do, we have to ensure that we have regulatory approval, that it is compliant uh, with local legislation before we do it. So different countries have different requirements in terms of uh, energy consumption, energy regulation, uh, the generation of uh, electricity. So yeah, we work through a number of partners that uh, ensure that there's compliance and um, who are really specialists and experts in the area of electricity supply. So um, we rely on their understanding and their processing of the legislative requirements. At the same time though, there's a whole uh, host of different frameworks that are coming through that we subscribe to. So for yeah. example, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. <coughs> as, as a company, ShopRite subscribes to the um, 17 goals. Uh, it's a framework that we are uh, th that we are a part of. We believe that it's an important recipe for prosperity and for good business um, for the future. And for that reason, we we engage with the goals um, specifically. 
Um, and yeah, and, and, and we look at where we can have the biggest impact in terms of reducing, uh, on the one hand, our environmental and social impacts, but on the other hand, also supporting um, environmental improvement and societal improvements as well. So yeah, um, I think coming back to the, the point, I think certainly legislation is, is important. Uh, we have to keep in mind that we need to remain and be compliant. Um, but at the same time, you know, the removing of some of the caps on, um, on generation and self-generation in South Africa has been beneficial. Yes. And, and, and we see genuinely a move towards supporting companies in using more um, renewable electricity. But sometimes I feel that there's also, you know, that we could be moving a lot faster. Um, requirements, regulations, policies uh, could make it easier uh, and, 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 and be more supportive of companies who are on a net zero transition, who are trying to decarbonize their operations. Um, so, yeah, I think it's th th that we certainly believe that can, can be an opportunity to improve. I'm glad to hear you speaking about the opportunities to improve. Are there any particular successes across Africa that would give you um, more, the best case examples of successes in different countries in terms of that growth or developmental challenges? Because the narrative always remains that because you're running within Africa, we are going to be lagging behind or struggling within it. Are there any true successes in spite of the African challenge that exists to that narrative that you can share? Yeah, look, we have solar plants in South Africa and in Namibia. Uh, in those countries, I think the, the legislation supports it and we're able to work within it. Um, we're still evaluating and investigating the uh, economic and environmental options of renewable electricity in other parts of the continent as well. And we'll continue doing that while at the same time remaining compliant uh, to the local requirements and, and local legislation. Um, I think, yeah, in terms of success stories, certainly there's a number of success stories in, in South Africa. Uh, the one I can relate to, and it comes back to the point around using innovation um, yes. and, and how ShopRite, the ShopRite group has used uh, artificial intelligence to reduce the amount of food waste. Now, food waste is also a significant contributor towards uh, greenhouse gases if it is disposed of at landfills, but also um, in the generation, the growing, the processing, the transportation storage of food, um, there's a whole lot of embedded resources that are, uh, that are used. So for example, it's energy is used in agriculture, energy, energy is used in processing, transportation, storage, etc. cetera. Um, so any amount of food waste then effectively means that you are wasting those resources. So what the, what, what the ShopRite group has done is that it has used artificial intelligence to be able to predict what the rate of sales are going to be in, at a store level. So a store then takes into account a whole lot of parameters like the weather, the time of the week, the time of the month, the time of the year, um, the rate of sale from the store, any events in the area, and it then predicts what the sales are going to be and hence places the order for that product in the store. In that way, we are able to balance our on-shelf availability with the amount of surplus or the amount of waste that we have. So customers will be ensured that when they get to the store, they'll still have their favorite product, yes. but will also reduce waste. So it's embracing technologies like that, like artificial intelligence, like machine learning, 
to be able to improve our ordering and replenishment processes, um, thereby reducing waste. And at the same time, keeping a good level of on-shelf availability. Now, it's really encouraging to know that as a business, you've taken your understanding of what the consumer customer needs or the consumer needs from a day-to-day perspective to ensure you only remain profitable, but also sustainable, while ensuring we're not getting compromised food with on our shelves as well every day. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, I think, look, there's a number of um, areas in terms of environmental sustainability that the group uh, has significant impacts on. Um, the one is in terms of the, the amount of plastic and cardboard that we recycle from our stores um, back to our distribution centers. Uh, annually, That the cardboard that we recycle is in the region of more than 40,000 tons. Plastic is more than 4,000 tons. And what's good about the plastic waste is that we are able to recycle that back into our carrier bags. So really providing a circular loop in terms of waste and ensuring that, A, our carrier bags are made from 100% recycled material and is 100% recyclable. So in that sense, we are supporting uh, the circular economy. We're supporting the informal sector in terms of um, the collection of waste and, and we're driving uh, further economic activity in the recycling sector. And that's a role I think that, that large businesses can play in terms of um, supporting and, and creating the opportunities um, for other businesses to, to participate economically. Would you mind just expanding a little bit further there if you have any examples in terms of your recycling of paper and cardboard you've mentioned within a particular community that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think, look, as a start, our, uh, our position on packaging is that we adopt a circular approach. Uh, we want to reduce the amount of uh, packaging waste that goes to landfill. Um, we want to also um, support community efforts and community activities. We've partnered with an organization called uh, Polyco, uh, and we've, um, uh, through their development of an initiative, an, an initiative called uh, Pakaching, Yes. Uh, which seeks to empower entrepreneurs um, that go into communities where they're collecting, they're able to collect recycled material uh, from community members, but at the same time pay back or pay to the community members a certain um, rebate on the recycling that they bring to the uh, packaging units. That rebate is paid into an electronic account and um, community members are able to then spend that amount in stores. So either to buy food, to buy stationery for schools, to buy electricity, to buy airtime. So it's really a trash for cash uh, type of an initiative that on the one hand seeks to create employment and and drive entrepreneurial um, activities uh, and at the same time translate and convert trash into cash for, for community members. So um, significant volumes of waste have been recycled through this uh, packaging process. And at the same time, significant amounts have been paid back to community members. That truly is exciting to hear. Now tell me, what do you think then becomes the future of the industry in relation to climate change across the retail sector, the retail value chain within Africa? What do you think will be the future? Yeah, it's a a difficult question to ask. I think if we take into account what the predictions are from the um, IPCC reports and from their studies, 
we know that um, we're going to be facing with, faced with uh, uh, droughts, with floods, with fires. I think the retail sector needs to take that into account, needs to internalize that, um, A, in terms of what the direct impacts are going to be in its operations and how they can become more resilient to operate in terms of that, but also in terms of what the impacts are going to be on their supply chain. So, I mean, some of the things we need to look at is how we diversify our supply chain, how we're able to source products from different parts of the country or different parts of the world if it's necessary. COVID has taught us that. COVID has given us um, a sort of indication of how we need to shorten our supply chains. And I think that's yes. still applicable for uh, for climate change uh, and the impacts of climate change and how it will uh, how it'll manifest itself in um in, in the areas and in the regions that we operate. Certainly we're seeing the impact of um, climate change in the Eastern Cape with the severe drought that's been going on for a long time. Um, it's around how we are able to still trade in an environment like that, you know, source uh, water, ensure that our, our stores are able to operate, but at the same time support communities and support our shoppers uh, during these times. It truly is great to hear from the continent's largest food retailer to see how you guys, with your commitment to creating a circular economy across your, your business, but also ensuring that not only are you sustainable, but you're able to continue to meet your brand promise. Thank you very much for your time. And then um, We were just discussing in terms of our side, the role that you do as ShopRite in terms of your managing of food within store, and you mentioned the innovations that you do, and you mentioned what your commitment to reducing food waste. What does, what does the group do or ShopRite do with regards to food waste or surplus food waste or production, yeah, think, surplus food that's left in the store, sorry? Sure. So, I mean, like I indicated, we adopt what we call a hierarchical approach. So the first one is how we can improve our ordering, our ranging and replenishment in the stores, because yes. that's where we need to focus on to reduce excess and surplus. Where we are unable to, uh, to do that and we still have, and we have surplus, then we look at options where we can rework um, certain products in the stores, you know, where we are cooking um, food, fresh food, uh, we can potentially use tomatoes, etc. Um, where we are unable to do that, we then look at donating surplus food. So the group in the last financial year donated close to 140 million rounds worth of um, surplus food and goods to hundred to more than 450 beneficiary organizations directly across the country. Um, and these are benefic these beneficiary organizations include um, soup kitchens, uh, old age homes, um, orphanages, community centers, a whole range of, uh, of, 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 of beneficiary organizations or charities that we support. Uh, and thereby ensuring that food that is fit for human consumption ends up uh, where it is needed and not in, 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 in landfills. Um, food that is unfit for human consumption, we look at feeding animals uh, or comp converting it to things like compost. Uh, as a last resort, we look at, uh, at landfills. Um, and ultimately, our intention is to reduce and to get to zero organic waste to landfill uh, by 2025. That's an, that's an ambition that we've expressed. And 2025 is just around the corner. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing everything possible to ensure that you reach that goal. 
So, Rajesh, um, we were just discussing on our side again that in terms of the food, your commitment to ensuring that the entire community, especially those in low-income households as well, and you're sustaining and building the entire community, not just only are your food gardens something that's important, but also you are committed to ensuring the development of children through your food uh, development or food donation programs, through your early child development program as well. Would you mind giving us just a bit more information on that as well? So we understand the commitment you are doing to, to our communities as well, over and above the, the what you have done during any disaster-related or the pandemic environment. Sure. Um, so we support, I mean, the ShopRite group supports more than uh, 109 early childhood development centers across South Africa. I think cumulatively that amounts to um, close to 3,000 children uh, in the different uh ECDs or Early Childhood Development Centers. Uh, and our support is primarily in the areas of uh, training. Um, so we provide training for the practitioners, the ECD practitioners and the headmasters in terms of the, um, so that they can provide a quality education uh, to the children, to the, uh, to the young children. And that's important that it is uh, a training that's based on an accredited system that's based on delivering a quality education. At the same time, the training for the headmasters is how to run a successful and sustainable business um, so that they're able to continue with, the, with their operations. Then the other area we support quite significantly is in terms of providing nutrition to the learners. So <clears throat> through our partners, the, the Lunchbox Fund, uh, they design nutritious meals that are balanced and nutritious meals <coughs> that are then distributed to these um, ECDs so that the children can have a good level of nutrition, um, primarily because ShopRite uh, understands the importance of nutrition, I mean, being the largest food retailer on the continent, yes. uh, but especially for young learners that they're able to have um, adequate and proper nutrition when they are learning so that they can develop uh, both physically and mentally uh, and, and uh, you know, as they grow and, and go into schools uh, and become become young adults. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's actually quite encouraging to hear that your, your commitment holistically as a business. Not only are you looking at the parents who come in and shop, but also the investment to the children. And also what I'm, what I'm excited to learn on our side is that what you do is you're looking at it from the person who comes in to shop. You're looking at those who are struggling right now or those who are unemployed the low-income homes as well, anybody struggling within that bracket, as well as you're looking for ways to help them sustain themselves and also um, generate income through your recycling programs as well. It's very encouraging to hear what you're doing as a business. Maybe just to, maybe just to add to that, I mean, we also recognize that our own staff, our employees, um, live in the same communities that we traded. So at, at 30 of these ECDs, our own staff send their children. So, because they understand that it's quality education and it's good nutrition that their children are going to be exposed to and have. Um, so, so that's one way also of how we are supporting our, uh, our own employees. Another very big program within um, ShopRite is what we call our retail readiness program. Yes. Where, we train, where we train more than, or between three and a half and 5,000 unemployed youth. Um, on how to work in retail and the basics of working in a retail environment. Uh, and and that, that helps us twofold. On the one hand, we're able to develop our pipeline of talent that is working in our retail stores. Yes. Uh, and those that are not and don't work in our retail stores then 
also work in other retail uh, environments in malls. So in a way, you know, we are training for the entire retail sector in terms of building the skills and developing skills on retail. And some um, people who've gone through the program have started their own businesses as well, you know, who've developed and, and, and shown an entrepreneurial um, um, flair. Apart from that, we're also a significant participant in the YES program. Yes. Where we take on where we take on annually close to 3,000 learners, uh, deploying them in our operations, in our stores, uh, and, and in some cases, even our suppliers. It's so, so it's really, I mean, the, the, the focus on, on youth is important. We know that uh, unemployed youth is a significant issue, a material issue in our country. Uh, and, and we do our bit in terms of creating opportunities, economic opportunities for unemployed youth. It's really encouraging to hear. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We just concluded our conversation here today with the Group Sustainability Manager at ShopRite Holdings, Sanjeev. Thank you again for making time with us, and thank you, everybody, for joining us again at another Topco Unusual podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow us for more content. Mm-hmm.